Hey, welcome back. I'm back. What's up? Uh, Meathead Hippie Podcast. I'm Emily Schramm, and it's been a minute because I took some time off. I just, uh, it's so interesting. It's hard to explain, but I come from in-person training, right? So I started off as a personal trainer. I love working one-on-one. Then I did one, one-on-ones with nutritional therapy, and I just... The more busy I get, the less time I have for that. So podcasts really felt, filled that hole for me in a way that I can't really explain, but I love it. And I just was starting to lose that a bit. So I took a couple weeks off and then was the the passion was reignited when I went to Paleo FX and Meathead Hippie Podcast was voted the best podcast by Paleo Magazine um, based on your vote. So thank you. It just really... I just, ugh, I can't tell you. That's so cool. That's so rad. So I just wanted to say thank you. And I decided I'm going to interview people. You know, it's kind of meathead hippie. We could really talk about anything. We could talk about all the meathead. We could talk about all the hippie. But what I care the most about is when I finish hitting record that I feel like I walk away with some sort of inspiration and love and passion and excitement for life. And unless I get that, it's just, it's just not worth it because I know that it, it just, I'm never going to put something mediocre into the world. And anyway, I just wanted to say I am back with the best guests and the first one being someone I love, Adam Bornstein. And I'm telling you his intro now because I'm going to sidetrack after I do. Uh, Adam Bornstein and I have connected. We'll talk about it in our podcast, but on and off for so many years. I feel like it's mostly social media where we connected, but also through men's health, women's health. I think we just kind of crossed paths, but never officially met until this year. And he's just even better than I thought. I wanted to just... I don't even know how to explain him without straight up reading his bio because <laughs> he's he, and he's not going to do it himself. He's so humble, but he's a powerhouse. And I just can't wait for you guys to listen to our conversation. Adam Bornstein is a New York Times bestselling author, the founder of Pen Name Consulting, a growth agency that offers content creation, marketing, and strategy that helps businesses scale. Clients include businesses such as Microsoft, Equinox, Dollar Shave Club, Beachbody, and individuals such as LeBron James, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and Tim Ferriss. No big deal. He is also the founder of Born Fitness, and this is how I originally met him or found him, a digital platform that provides clarity in the world of health and offers personalized online fitness and diet coaching. Bornstein is an award-winning fitness and nutrition writer and editor. He has been named one of the most influential people in health. He is the author of seven books, including three fitness bestsellers, and was a columnist for Muscle and Fitness, Men's Fitness, Shape, and Greatest. His work has been featured everywhere from the New York Times and Fast Company to ESPN, The Magazine, and GQ. Previously, Bornstein was fitness editor of Men's Health Magazine and the editorial director of Livestrong.com. Like, I I mean, we barely even tap into any of the things that he does. We're going to have, I need him to be my co-host. So I hope you love it. One of the things I wanted to say is that he just really inspired me. There was something he says in this podcast, how he starts his morning. And he writes a thousand words before he even has coffee. It's something that he has to do. And we talk about his journey and has some of the things that he struggled with, with health. And then just this kind of 
for me, rituals and routines are so hard because I'm anti-routine. But I was like, you know what? I'm kind of inspired by this. I kind of want to try it. And so I did try it. And I just kind of am obsessed with it. So I wrote my first one this morning. So this is Tuesday. So this is coming off on Wednesday. And it is the journey of being an empath. And I just want to start it before we get into our podcast because, and I'll post the link on the blog. I just have had such a big epiphany recently. And if you're an empath, which apparently is 15 to 20% of the population, it really is a hard thing to be. And I just had to put this out there because I feel like I've been struggling a lot with this and trying to figure out growth and business and staying true to who I am and vulnerability and also just not selling out. But then the other side of that, when you just feel like all you want to do is help people, but they're not taking it the right way, you I hold on to it and I feel it and it just is weighing me down. And that was another piece of needing to take some time off is just... I was feeling the burden. And so I'm going to start this for you. And if you're an empath, then go listen to it. I know this is a very weird way to start a podcast. If you're a first time listener, I never have started a podcast this way, but this was inspired by Adam. And so I feel like it has to be plugged in in some way because I want all of you to do it and go tell Adam at Born Fitness on all social media. Thank you, because it's a great way to start your day. And it's also a great way to just express some of those feelings that you might be struggling with that you don't know you're struggling with it until you just start closing your eyes and typing. The journey of being an empath. I know it's who I am. How <laughs> Let's try that again. The journey of being an empath. I know it's who I am, how I was brought into this world, and how I will always be. I get that it's sometimes a quote blessing to have feelings and to understand humans at a deep ominous level that words will never be able to shovel into. It is a feeling. It is an energy. It is whatever you want to call it. But most of all, it is simply hard. There will always be in my head that moment I realized, oh, this isn't normal. To feel this much, to literally hurt when others are hurting, and to see a stranger struggle and feel so goddamn uncomfortable for them, probably more than they are uncomfortable, isn't something people easily get unless they are one of me. One of the empaths. I literally just, hey Google, this to my Google Mini, and it is 15 to 20% of Earth's population is highly sensitive. Although highly sensitive people do not always equate to empaths, this is a significant chunk of humans breathing and feeling and living life a little differently. Now the pickle comes with this being sort of, what do I call myself without spiritually gagging, social influencer. However I got here, I got here. I'm grateful to be here. But to say that empaths are the ones usually doing this type of work really isn't true type of work, not just writing poems, painting, being creative and beautiful. I try to physically and emotionally pour my heart and soul onto Instagram (laughs) captions weekly, daily, more than I'd like to admit. On one hand, you get to say your truths. It's what makes you who you are and why others want to listen to who you are. And then on the other hand, you just care. You care so damn much. I used to think I cared because it, it was me simply just caring too much. I tried to give less fucks. I kid you not, that was my 2017 resolution to give less fucks. It turned into me giving less fucks about resolutions. 
I don't know why it took me this long to truly understand this. I just simply hate hurting people's feelings. It sounds so dumb, but when someone takes something I say wrongly or translates words on a phone into a voice that is not my own or sometimes is my own into their brain and they aren't happy about it, I need to know why. I think about it. I let it consume me. I refuse to say I'm not everyone's cup of tea because I know that it's true to some degree, but when you have intentions as simple as helping, it can eat you the fuck up inside. So I have come to the conclusion That it is not the act of giving less fucks, which we all know is a way of protecting self and walls that go up with giving less fucks also mean that walls will go up to block all the things that need to come through, but it is simply the act of letting go, or I shall say the art of letting go. I use flower essences, some oils, a lot of hot baths to help me do this, but really nothing works unless I constantly work on it. I am not over-exaggerating when I say I am constantly working on it. Okay, I'm going to end there. There was so much more, but I just feel like that was enough. And I have never done a monologue again, so I promise if you really hated that, just let me know. And if you didn't hate it, let me know that too. But either way, I'm not going to care. I'm going to, well, I'm going to care, but I'm going to let it go. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this podcast with Adam and I. I know I did. I can't wait to meet up with him in so many different ways. I can't wait to just pick his brain, podcast with him again, hopefully go to some of his amazing events that he has here in Denver. Go follow him. Go find him. And welcome back to Meathead Hippie. (laughs) I'm Emily Schramm, the ultimate Meathead Hippie. Welcome to the show. Born. Some people call me born. <laughs> I was racking my brain. How did I first find you? It was through Instagram or maybe Facebook. Do you know? I mean, I think I followed you years before. You I mean, knew I, I, I first was... found you on Real World many years ago. <laughs> before you... you, I watched that. I mean, who didn't watch Real World back in the day? <laughs> I'm not. You mean? And then it was um, when you. What was? I don't know the official name of it but the next biggest fitness oh, star women's health were yes. you at men's health when that was happening i had just what do you what year was that 2014 okay so i had not just left but and, wow that's like making me feel older um but <laughs> does feel like I'm i did ago. see you on that and i recognized you because like people just know people who are on real world i'm, I'm not ashamed <laughs> to admit it and i was like that's freaking awesome and then what really caught my eye, because I'm obsessed with business, is how smart you were about building your business and leveraging that and growing in so many different ways. And that was just something out of respect that oh, I was like, shucks. I'm being serious. Like so many people get this like huge opportunity where it's like doing something like that is like getting a PR hit, right? Like mm-hmm. you just like, it's, it's PR. And most people just care about, oh, the spotlight's on me. I have this opportunity as opposed to I've been given this opportunity. How do I make the most of it? Yeah. And I can only respect people who are not so caught up in like, I have my 15 minutes as opposed to what is my greater purpose or opportunity here? Mm. And I didn't know you then. I had no sense. I mean, we really 
even to this day, haven't talked that much. We just met in person I know. Like a couple of weeks ago for the first time. <laughs> but that, that is, but that's what I remember. Yeah. That is what I remember thinking. And then when you told me that you've been following me for a while, I'm like, I've got no idea why you were doing that, but cool. <laughs> Sweet. This is so awesome because I, we, that Bumble panel was so last minute for me. It's your friend, um, Shalisa. She yes. moved, she just moved from Boulder to Denver. Yes. She's amazing. So I've known Shalisa now and she'll hate me for saying that for 20 years. That's so awesome. Which which makes it worse because we met in college, uh, which is why she was like, don't tell people how old we are. <laughs> um, but she's amazing and talented and incredible and has the best calves I've ever seen in my life and have been jealous since I was 18 years <laughs> you old. You said that on the panel, yeah. the Bumble Biz. So I just loved, I walked in and I um, was on this panel and I didn't know who was on it with me. And then you just walked in and I was like, I've never met you in person. So I'm so glad you're on Meathead Hippie today. And I want to jump in. This is my first podcast back, and it was kind of just what we were talking about, how I had filmed a couple podcasts, and I was like, I'm, I feel kind of uninspired about it. I feel weird not putting this out there, but at the same time, if it didn't inspire me, I just don't really want to put it out there. So what you were just saying makes so much sense, and I think it, it, could, it can apply to business, fitness, anything, and I think we should jump right into it. Yeah. I mean, right before we started recording, I was saying that you, you have to love what you're doing mm. uh, and loving what you do can manifest itself in so many ways. But to me, there's, there's two parts of it. It's that you, you have to be charged and inspired and enjoying it. And a lot of people will mistake like enjoying as well. It's not, it's not easy. It's difficult. Or sometimes it sucks. Yeah. Sometimes part of the process of enjoying something means that it sucks or it's difficult. Yeah. And, uh, and that's not an issue. The issue is like really making sure that when you have a finished product, you're like, you know what? I am proud of this. I love this. I would consume this. But like when people are making a product or selling something, first question I always ask is, well, would you buy this? And if the answer is no, I'm like, well, then why the hell are you doing it? What's like the a, point? Yeah, yeah, what's the point? Oh, because you can make money? You can make money doing a lot of things. Like, would you buy it? Would you consume it? Would you eat it up? Would you pay twice as much for what you just created because you think it's that valuable? Yeah. That's the mindset I take with that. <laughs> okay, sound check over. I'm so hyper paranoid about this because I know it's going to be an excellent talk, and I was worried. We could do gonna... it again. We're gonna be we're gonna be friends for a while now. You're stuck. You're about to go see my gym, and that's kind of what you said. Like with anything you put into the world, it you have to be consumed by it. Yeah. What are you consumed by right now? Oh, man, the the cheap and easy answer is my family. I'm obsessed. With my little baby boy, he's not a baby anymore. He's like two and a half, and then I've got another kid on the way. And uh, yeah, having having kids changed me in a lot of ways. And, How old is your little boy? He's two and a half. Two and a half, he yeah. said. Okay, so, cool. Uh, yeah, I I always say that I don't have an off switch, and I still don't really have an off switch. But I just uh, I switch which switch I'm on. If that makes sense, I would mm -hmm. always just be obsessed with business and work and meeting people because. My, my value system is simple. It is I care about people and experiences. And that's it. That's how I value everything. That's what drives all of my decision making. Because I think if I meet really, really good people, it'll lead to really great experiences. Or if I walk into a really great experience, I'm going to meet good people. Mm -hmm. And the time with my son is just always a great experience. And I think it's going to be the same way. So it's, it's such an easy investment of time for me 
I guess the more complicated answer is like pretty much everything that I do in the business world is, is fun for me. I've gotten to the point where I'm just super selective on what I do because uh, a lot of people won't like this, but most of the people in the fitness industry are just complete douchebags. <laughs> And so uh, and I know this because I've like worked with all of them. I mean, yeah. Let's tell people about your your journey. Um, I only know small snippets of it. What what was you, you're very zen and very, I don't know. You just have sure. a good. Uh, he has a good aura. Everyone. I don't know yes. if you can feel it yet, but you will by the end of this talk. I'm sure. Have you always been like this? What was your first step into the fitness industry? Fitness industry. I mean, being like this. Um, started a long time ago. I used to have like huge anger issues and I discovered meditation before meditation was like even a thing. I mean, it obviously was a thing. Let's be honest. It's been around forever. But I started doing, I started meditating around the same time that I met Shalisa. So like 20 years ago. Wow. Um, and it became a habit of like calming and controlling and just kind of being confident in who I was. I was not a very confident person. I wasn't really a happy person, but I didn't necessarily want it to be that way. I just wanted to be comfortable in who I was and proud of who I was and realize that sometimes that means that not everyone's going to like you and that's okay, but that's a tough thing, especially mm -hmm. like when you're a teenager, early 20s, and you're just like, you're trying to understand everything. I'm still trying to understand everything. Same. But the one thing that I that I do understand is that like I kind of just want to be true to who I am, and but that means like, understanding who I am and what I want to get back. So a lot of like this the Zen, I guess, is just from like, that's a habit. That's 20 years of I'm an early riser. I'm like 4.30 every single day. And before oh. I can even get my coffee, it's, it's, it's an earned thing. I have to do two things. I have to meditate first thing in the morning and then I have to write. I got to write about a thousand words. And it can be the biggest piece of hot garbage ever. But because, you write. But I write. Every day, Sunday through e Sunday. Every day, seven days per week. How long do you meditate, part one? 15 minutes. And then you go straight into writing. Yes. And then until I'm done writing, I can't have coffee, which sometimes it's like punishment because it's really early. And I'm like, man, coffee would be... And it's even more punishing because the first thing I do after I meditate is I brew the coffee. So it's like oh, you ready can smell and waiting it. and you can smell it. But then there's like a there's like a discipline component there. You'll see that I'm like really big into a whole bunch of weird discipline things like... I train right now in my garage, which is why I'm so excited for your gym because Denver needs a good gym so badly. Thank you for filling the void. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, I do love my garage though, but uh, in Denver in the winter, it can get kind of cold. Mm -hmm. I don't have a heater in there and it will be sometimes like negative eight. And my wife will be like, why don't you just put a heater? And I'm like, because I like knowing that I will go out there when like 99% of people won't. They mm. wouldn't even think about it. You're kind of just a little bit crazy. <laughs> uh, I'm more than a little bit crazy, but it's kind of what makes me, because like, that's the type, it's not about going in and getting the workout in. It's mm. about being able to challenge yourself so that if something gets really, really difficult, I think that being able to be resilient and confront things are, can be a learned behavior. Mm. For some of it just comes easy. We're all like cool under pressure. And for other of us, like if there's something crazy going on with business, I can be completely centered and grounded because I've put myself on purpose into uncomfortable positions so that when uncomfortable positions come up unexpected, I don't find myself freaking out because I know there are so few things in life that you can control. Mm. So few Did you things. always know that? That's that's this, you know, constant type. Of, for me, it's, I'm so used to being the driver of business. If, if I don't control it, it doesn't get done. And learning now with the team being built and the th different projects going on, 
that's like the maybe meditation. Maybe I just need to do it. It's you great. Might. I mean, it's so hard to pick up, and it's not for everyone. It's like it's like telling people like again, me and you, we love weight training. Mm-hmm. I will lift weights until they bury me. I mean, there's just no stopping that. But I also know that like if you really fucking hate lifting weights, I might still tell you it's really good for you. But I'm not going to try and force you to do it. There are other ways to deal with stress, to be fit, to mm-hmm. find something that you enjoy that you can do repeatedly, which is really the whole point mm-hmm. of fitness anyway. Like build a habit that you can do that's good for you. And this and is why I love fine. you. You're, you've been, this is your message since I followed you, is that extremities don't last, right? Like if you jump into a, you know, and we can talk about, I would like actually like to know your thoughts about keto, but anything really low carb or anything really high demand, like the output, you just are constantly thinking about it because that's how much it takes out of you to make it happen, whether it's a workout or a fitness program or a nutrition program. You've always just said, I mean, the, it's just, I don't know if you know this, but that's the biggest takeaway from your feed and your message is that no matter what, what are you going to stick with and your how do you stay consistent with it? Did you always feel like you yourself could like, did you always have that kind of balance mentality? I think that's the, my biggest thing is because most of my clients come to me, they're ready, but then they try to pick something that's way too big and then they're over it within 21 days or day 22 or right. in 30 days. So what do you, what do you speak to for those clients? Like, how do you get them to be okay with the small goals? It's hard. And I was not all that way. I've done every which fitness fad until I suddenly realized that most of it's just bullshit. Oh, yes. Most of it, and that, that, that's the funny thing. Most fitness and nutrition professionals will agree on 90% of things. And they just like piss and moan about 10%. But that 10% drives people so far apart and they're so like dogmatically married to these ideas that they will fight and they will confuse people. It's not the two people who, who are arguing because they know that it's just actually the 10%. It's everyone else who sees the argument on the minutia mm. and they focus on the minutia. They major in the minor and it's terrible. And this is the messaging that's been going out for 50, 60 years now. Like we find our, like our magic bullet. We find like the one thing to pinpoint, like this is all evil. And if you just fix this, everything's better. And there is definitely some truth in these things. Like being able to be like, hey, sugar isn't good for you. But if we just vilify sugar and just say it is the root of all problems and people only focus on sugar, 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 they, they lose the forest from the trees and they can build other bad habits or they can, it can be maladaptive because suddenly they're like, I can't eat bananas because there's sugar in there or apples or. But I can have kombucha. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Everyone kombucha is fine because it's delicious. Um, and, and that's the problem with like going too much to the extreme is mm-hmm. like we sell this idea and it has, it is a domino effect because the moment that you buy into this this idea that like if you change one thing, everything is better. Like it's it's the first domino that gets all the other dominoes to go. You become obsessed with that, mm-hmm. and then, like you were talking about, that obsession takes a lot of energy mm-hmm. and it forces perfection. And the moment that anything forces you to be perfect, and you think you need to be perfect, is the moment that you are guaranteed to fail and fail in a hard way. So I do believe in this domino approach. I do believe in like these small little changes that can have big results. But one, you have to know that like some small changes are easier easier than others. Mm-hmm. Like I, if someone is completely inactive, it's a huge win for me to get them to walk twice a week rather than getting them to start snatching weight. Yeah. 
I might want to get them there eventually, but it's like, let's be honest. Like, what's an easier foot in the door here process? Yeah. Is it easier to ask someone for a dollar or ask someone for 10 grand? Mm -hmm. Get the dollar, get the small win, build the relationship, build the trust, and just like get them to start seeing things because it's, it's all about patterns of reinforcement. Mm -hmm. And you just want people to believe that what they are doing can be done. Yep. and can be effective and, and can see results. So there's this constant like delicate balance between what is going to work, what is going to give you results. We're going to get you results, but be patient because like this isn't going to happen overnight. And that desire for instant gratification, I want magic, I want this done right now, it's, it's so alluring. It's mm -hmm. so much better than like taking time and putting <laughs> in the work and being like, oh, yeah, well, well, look at you. It's so easy. I'm like, yeah, no problem. It took me like 15 years to get here. And like 15 years. I don't know. What do you got that I'll do in seven minutes? Yes. Yeah. That's a big, I mean, I'll post like a testimonial or something. And the first question is, well, how long did it take? How long did that take? And if it's anywhere too long in their head, it's already discounted. But what's crazy is especially, I mean, I feel like that old person that's like, time just flies by. But when you really are enjoying it, it's, it really does. Like, I mean, my life has just radically changed in a year and it feels like I just blinked. And so time, if it's something that you truly enjoy, so what are the things you truly enjoy? Like, what is your 90%? Like we won't get into the 10%, but if you had like the 90% that we could all agree on and that everyone should do, and that is mostly enjoyable for all people, right? what would you say? Some, Some of sort of movement, any type of movement. I don't even care. Lift yeah. weights. I mean, I will recommend it. It's awesome. <laughs> Or like find the even interesting, like my wife does not like lifting weights, but she will push a sled all day. She's just like, just throw a prowler out there, put some weights on and give me a heavy bag. And that's all I want to do. And that's I'm like, perfect. fucking rad. You're such a badass. We, we have one strip of turf going down. I can't yes. wait to, it's, yeah. we picked out the turf. That'll be week. great because like pushing a sled right now is really hard because I'm in like in a residential area and people mm. just don't like the sound of a sled on concrete in the morning. It's not, especially if I'm training early, it's like, oh man. Yeah, 5 a.m. Oh man, well, <laughs> moved about a year ago. But where I lived beforehand, my neighbor fucking hated me. <laughs> fucking hated me, especially like if I'd be deadlifting and like I was in a garage, like there's, there's no pads in there. Mm -mm. She would come out and would like knock on the garage and she's like, all of my plates are bouncing. And I was like, I kind of felt bad, but I also didn't believe her because my house was closer. And I'd always be like, Rach, am I causing an earthquake in there? And she's like, no, I can hear that you're dropping a weight. But uh, and then I just felt like a bad neighbor, but I also just didn't want to stop deadlifting. So that's why you moved. That's why I moved. <laughs> Got a little more room between my neighbors right now. Garages in the back alley, not in the front yard where I disturb people. Minor details. So, any type of movement. I don't care what it is. Just Do you, what are your favorite barbell moves? I mean, just because most of my audience. I will deadlift for life and squat. I'm like a deadlift squat type person. But like for me, squatting is like squatting variations. Like right now, I'm obsessed with doing like uh, Bulgarian split squats with a safety squat bar. So it's like oh. axial loaded. So it's like split between both your shoulders. So like you can even do it because if you can picture this, they're like two arms that come down from the bar. So if you have some semblance or balance or some big beefy traps, you can just balance the bar Check. on yourself and you can hold on to part of the barbell cage. So that a lot of people struggle with any type of single leg movement because of balance. And that mm -hmm. sucks because the moment that you know, balance comes in the equation, everyone's like, oh, the balance is so great, but I'd rather have overload. So I would rather compensate and give myself more balance mm -hmm. if it allows me to use more weight. 
and do so in a safe way. So like doing these safety squat bar, Bulgarian split squats. I love that. Just load it up. And it's just brutal because for me, if we're talking about like lower body training, my posterior chain is the fitness people like to say, or the backside muscles. So, or the peach emoji. Right. Peach which emoji. Is the, which right. Is now the we thing. got your butt, you got your <laughs> hamstrings, even, you know, got your spinal rectors, you got your back. Um, my posterior chain is way stronger than the anterior than the front side. So have you always been that way? Yeah. Which is weird. That's interesting. Which is weird. What sport did you play? I played a bunch of sports, but they're like, so uh, you, we were, I was going to circle back to this. You asked me like how I got into fitness. So I used to play a bunch of sports and I had one, I got misdiagnosed with cancer when I was 13. So when you asked me like, if I've always had this perspective, you go to a cancer ward and you hang around kids who are dying, it changes your perspective really quickly. You got misdiagnosed? I just got chills. Yeah. That doctor sucked. Yeah. Not fun. That's not what you- What did it end up being? Uh, so it's interesting now. So what they thought was it was an undiagnosable inflammatory disease. Um, as I just recently found out because I've been suffering from variations of this for now 25 years, uh, it's an autoimmune condition because what happened is I got a fever of 104 degrees at that time for about eight weeks straight when I was 13 years old and they couldn't figure out what was going on and they thought that I had liver cancer. Oh, my God. Um, but what was weird is those fevers would follow me, and it was four-year increments. So 13, 17, 21, 25, 29. And then when I hit 30, started getting them every year. And the real scary part came, uh, well, at first, right before my son was born, I got sick. And my son was born in October. My birthday's in September. I was sick on my birthday. And I remember my wife being by my side just thinking, like, I was going to, like, die on her before. was Because, like, when these fevers get up there, I'm, like, 104 plus, And I'm, like delirious and sweating but freezing and it just goes for weeks on end and i thought like that was hell on earth but then a year ago and so i've got all this blood work yeah which is like this huge track record and i've flown and lived everywhere gone to doctors in la new york chicago florida you name it and no one could figure this out and then uh, about a year ago now a little more than a year ago uh the thing came back again it was like the fourth straight year and i'm like Oh, this is absolutely terrible. And I had a fever of about 103 to 104 for 71 straight days. 71 straight days. Now, what they normally do is after it would go about 15 days, they'd give me like a prednisone derivative, so a steroid, because it just nukes your system. It's terrible for you, but when all else fails, it's like the old reset button on a Nintendo, you know, and you're Mm -hmm. like playing a game in Nintendo, and you're like, I fucking hate that I'm losing right now. Just hit the reset button, blow in my cartridge, and start it over. That's what prednisone was. It was like the fail-safe, like, no adult should have a fever for this long. We have to do something. Let's nuke you. Let's get rid of the fever. It's like hit and reset. And like, yes, you got to like reestablish like your gut health. Like it, it sucks. You got to like live in a bubble for like a week because you're super vulnerable. But usually we get rid of the fever. I did it and the fever got even worse. Oh, shit. And I was like, what's going on? And then my platelets were dropping and my white blood cell count was dropping. And everything was completely messed up. And uh, in the neutrophils, which is like the basically the healthy cells that protect you from getting sick, like drop below one. And when the doctor saw that, like below one, like, oh, that's like what cancer and HIV patients have. We're worried that you have cancer. And I'm like, I've been down this road before. But like, no, no, no. Like, here's what, because every single time I would get this disease, it would always look identical. Mm-hmm. Blood work was the same. Four years. Every- it would happen like every four years. But then when I hit 30, it happened every single year. Oh, wow. So it was like, I was and poor wife was just like, this is getting really weird because this is like too often. Mm-hmm. 
And they were like, this is what the blood work normally looks like, and here's what it is right now. And you just saw this like graph that was like, everything was just dropping and getting worse. And like, we like, were really worried that like you either have HIV or you have cancer. And that was like, I was trying to add levity. And I'm like, well, geez, HIV is going to be a really weird conversation with my wife. And then like, she, everyone's like, don't make jokes. And I'm like, I'm trying to do my best here. <laughs> what else do right. you want? Right. If I have to choose, I'm going to go with the cancer <laughs> route because it's just an easier explanation. Oh it's just terrible. Uh, but that's, I mean, when you're that sick and that's going on, um, you're, you're even crazier than I normally am. And... Uh, they went and we had to do bone marrow biopsies. We had to do two of them, which let me tell you, those are not a fun test. They basically just like drill into the small of your spine and remove bone marrow. What part of your spine? Like the small of your back. It's like right in your lumbar spine. So they're just, because they need to like pull, because it's bone marrow. And like they can tell you that they can numb it, but they can't numb inside your bone marrow. So it's like, we're going to numb your skin, but it's going to hurt. And I knew they had to take two samples, but like the the cruelest trick was because they wanted to send one over to oncology and one to infectious diseases. I just thought they could take it from the same spot. So they're like in there and this is, uh, you know, I'm with a cancer doc and they told me to be like really quick, really easy. And I like literally hear her like drilling and she's like, your bones are so thick. And I'm like, deadlifts are real. <laughs> like you're supposed to prepare for this. And it was so painful. It was awful. And I get done and I'm like, yeah, that's right. I'm tough. We're good. And she's like, yeah, we still got it the second sample. I'm like, what are you? What were you doing back there the entire time? Like, it has to be from two separate locations. And I'm oh. like, I gotta do that again? <laughs> this oh. is terrible. And my wife's sitting there and she's like, not as bad as pregnancy. And I'm like, also true. Yep. Watch pregnancy. Oh, my goodness, women are so much tougher than men. I could talk about that for days. My wife had to have a natural childbirth because her first son came in like three seconds. And that was the craziest thing I've ever seen in my she life. She's doing natural again? Oh, she's got to say about hell no. She was just like, <laughs> I did that once. I can say that I did it. I'm good. But <laughs> I, w- uh, women are superheroes. That's all I got to say. I watched that and I was like, there is no way in hell I would I would have like, I would have tapped out. I would have been like, nope, nope. Who's taking my place? I need sub. It's good Somebody to hear you say that. It's so true. It is so true. It is, and it's, oh man. Yeah, I could talk about pregnancy for days because it's just such a fascinating thing to watch, but I do realize from an evolutionary standpoint why this happened. Women are just way tougher than men. And I am okay being on record admit it because it's the damn truth. And anyone who says otherwise just doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about. They don't. I agree no, with that. No, no fucking. It's even, I build my businesses all around women. All of my, and I've you got, said you have, most of your employees are women. Almost all of them. I love that. I have, I have two different businesses and between them, between like actual fully employed people and contractors on retainer, mm-hmm. about 30 plus employees through three different businesses. And there are Three, four men, four men. I love it. Yeah, no, you know I'm all for way, that. <laughs> way tougher and amazing, and uh, yeah, I'm blessed to be surrounded by so many amazing women. Completely separate conversation. So, in going through all of this, long story short, I didn't have cancer. I didn't have HIV. They Just, started like doing all these testing where like they would basically like put me in extremely uncomfortable situations to see how my body um, would respond. Is it because you're waking up and going into the garage at? 5 a.m.? <laughs> Don't tell me that. I'm just kidding. But part of it is like you were asking about like what my 90% is, a big one right now, which um, I was really stupid about is sleep. If you yeah. ask me the number one thing that people should prioritize above fitness, above nutrition is sleep. Have you done that your life? I've, in your life? I've given the middle finger to sleep my entire life until last year. I had to prioritize it. And I knew it. Like I, I had written many books, but in at least three of them, I've had like entire chapters being like, Sleep is the golden goose. Like it's so important because like if you don't understand, it's not just about the rest and the recovery. 
It affects your ability to burn fat. It affects your ability to burn muscle. It affects your hunger. So when you don't sleep enough, it triggers basically neurotransmitters in your brain that makes you not only crave more food. So a lot of people think that when they're up for longer periods of time, they're hungrier just because they're awake for longer. No, uh this is like mind control on a neurochemical level. You're actually having signals sent to your brain like, I want to eat more food because I didn't get enough sleep. And even worse, here's the real kicker. You not just crave more food, you crave the sweet stuff, the sugary stuff, the hyper palatable, so the sugary plus salty, which is so sinfully good, but mm-hmm. also the worst combination. So when people do not sleep enough, you don't have the energy to do what you want to do. Obviously, you're not thinking as well. You're not functioning as well. You you can't perform, whether it is at work or whether it is at the gym. Mm-hmm. You for most people, you're kind of a dick to most people, which which sucks. Sleep deprivation turns us all into like little animals. Like I watch my son when he doesn't sleep enough. I'm like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, oh my God, that's, that's what adults do. That I is. should really sleep more because you're a There terror. should be a name for like, you know, how hangry is yeah. blood sugar drops. There should be something about- When you're like, you're sleep deprived. We're going to come up with it. Yeah. I don't have anything right now, but oh. we're definitely going to come up with something. Because that's so, so true. It's so true how you go through these phases of- you're really happy. And then the one thing that's missing, if you're unhappy and you're like, what's going on? What's going on? Is it my diet? Is my supplements? What did I miss? What did I miss? It's always your sleep. Always starts with sleep. So how many hours do you get? So I am a work in progress. So for about 15 years, uh, I slept like three hours a night. What? Yeah. Like that's when like we would go through all this and the doctors would start like going through all these habits. They had the same reaction. Like what's wrong with you? And I'm like, I function. Feel good. I'm like, so you're still catching up, right? So the the goal right now for me is like seven. Actually, technically seven and a half, based on like how our REM cycles go. There's like every, we sleep in like 45 minute blocks essentially, um, and it's a little bit different for everyone. You can get this stuff tested. So the greatest way to think about how you want to time your sleep is think about 45 minute increments, but ideally hour and a half increments because that's a two full cycles through. So I would always tell people that it's much better, say, for instance, for you to sleep like seven and a half hours than, say, eight. Mm-hmm. Because you've uh, when you turn from, so obviously, hour and a half, three hours, four and a half hours, six hours, seven, seven and, a half, and a half, nine. If you go from that seven and a half to eight, you could wake up in the middle and you of feel a REM worse. cycle. And you feel terrible. Like, have you ever woke up, like, you slept for, like, ten hours, and you're like, why am I still groggy? Like, if you wake up in the middle of, like, an REM cycle, like, that's when your body wants to be in deep sleep. That is no fun. So like it just takes a little while to get adjusted. So like timing your sleep can be one of those things that you just wake up rested. And I was able to essentially like manipulate that. And like I can get three hours of sleep. I can wake up after like a couple cycles. I'm going to be rocking and rolling. And I was, it was, it was like the dark side of biohacking. Yeah. It was like, I can play this game and I fall asleep. So I don't have the problems where some people like lay awake and like, I'm yeah, the most just, annoying person to be around. Like when I go to my wife, I'm like, good night. And I'm like, I close my eyes and I'm out. Yep. I'm like, and, and like, I'm like dead to the world for probably like the first three hours because I've been conditioned. Mm-hmm. Like there could be an explosion in the room and I wouldn't know what's going on. Um, then I become like a much lighter sleeper. So the goal right now is about seven and a half hours, but it's like, there's a six hour minimum and mm-hmm. I cannot sleep less than six, no matter what is going on, no matter what I feel is the pull or the draw or no matter what. And for about the last year plus, I have maintained that no dropping under six, except for two different times. And both of them was when, one was when uh, my son was sick and the other time was when he learned how to break out of his crib, which is just a crazy, crazy night. 
he wasn't he wasn't in his room he didn't come into my room i go in and hear a big boom and i like i go and i'm like oh, whatever's going on i'm like wait a second and i look on the monitor and he's not in there i run into his room and he's not in there and i run downstairs and he's sitting down in our family room and he goes dad dad play toys and i'm like <laughs> it's 3 a.m what are you doing this is amazing i'm gonna go back to taking sleep you it, just play taking it after you oh man waking up at 3 a.m unbelievable so, so what has been the biggest difference that you've noticed is have you noticed differences in cravings or did in, you ever really have that? Every it's it's mm-hmm. amazing. Like you, we all do this in different ways. We just lie to ourselves. Mm-hmm. We lie to ourselves about the the balance that we have, or our relationships, or our work, or even our level of happiness. I lied to myself because it had been so long since I had slept well that like I feel great. I feel like I'm giving time to people. I have so much time in the day, but when I started sleeping, I just felt amazing. Like I just felt like better. I felt happier. Mm. Like that was the big thing. And I consider myself like a really, really happy person, but I was wrong. I was clearly like, I'm just way happier, way more to give. Training is better. Recovery is way better. I would get like the shit kicked out of me. I can train like six days a week right now and feel like a freaking rock star. And that's something you have to do. It's just like sometimes do it because I like to. Mm-hmm. Um and, and I do no I, issue. And I want to ask this because some of my people, I think they have a, I think they only think of overtraining or not or under recovery as muscle soreness. But it's almost like, do you feel more mentally engaged where you're more motivated to do it? Because definitely, I think that's actually more of an issue of overtraining than DOMS. Yeah, well, you're like, just like not feeling. Yeah, like soreness is a byproduct of like new stimulus or volume. Mm-hmm. Like it's really, really easy to make yourself sore. And it's oftentimes a really bad <laughs> indicator of whether your workout was good, but we all love it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm also like a soreness junkie. You know, my favorite is when my biceps are sore. <laughs> I love it when my traps are sore. I love, which is why I will do like heavy rack pulls sometimes just because like I want to like so super load that where I'm like walking around, I feel like someone like stuck like lead pipes in my traps. My traps and I'm don't like, get sore anymore. Like, Imagine that. Like they're just too oh, big. I'm, 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 I just have such great. You do. You have amazing traps. They're I can't, huge. They're amazing. The jealousy rating you're having. I'm sitting across. Her traps are just like flaring right now. It's not. A, it's not even a joke. And I'm like, somebody get me a coat. They feed on their own. <laughs> somebody get me a coat. It's good. Everyone's got those. I'm always. Je- I mean, I'm okay admitting it too. I am jealous of your quads. I am jealous of your traps. And then we'll give it Shalise's caps, and, and then Shalise's you got a full cap. body. I'm so close. I got great hamstrings, guys. My butt is pretty solid. I got really? a big back. Post- I got a big because posterior chain. Posterior again. chain, the most important. You're yeah. gonna stay injury free. I know. I'm gonna. It's gonna be great. Especially Shoulder health is so sleep. much better. Oh. I know. Yeah, but yeah, that's the thing. Like, overtraining is so overstated. Mm-hmm. It really is. But the ones that you have to worry about are like the feelings that almost mimic like feelings of depression, low energy, just like not getting fired up, or like even when you're exercising, still feeling like shit. And there's a big difference between like. I had a bad workout, I wasn't strong, and actually feeling like, oh my God, I feel like shit, like I don't want to, like you're flat, or even if like you try and do some like fun workouts or more volume work where you get like a pump and you are just like, you can't get a pump for the life of you. You're just like, you know what? One, you should probably go and eat some more food. Two, you should probably sleep, and maybe a day off might be good, not because like your muscles need a day off, but your your brain, your mind, your Mm -hmm. body just needs to like find that off switch, which is uh, for all of us. We, we, we all need it. Ways. Yeah. We do. And the more I talk about adrenals and cortisol, the more I have found that the less is, less is so much more. For me, I always felt like if I skipped even a week, I would have a total panic attack. I'd be like, I'm 
all my traps are gone. I don't know. <laughs> all of them. You got like 22 of them. The traps just disappeared. But it's true. It's like, it really is. You, Your body is so smart. and you, So smart. Most of my clients overdo it and undereat. And I love that you said that about eating more. How many? Do you know how many calories you eat? No give clue. Or take? I, I've you've probably I've checked. Counted your... calories at a time in my life, mm-hmm. and for me, just it's boring for me. It's so effective. It is. It definitely is. And I remember, like the first time, or not the first time, but like when I did it really diligently. So if you guys want to be like creeping, you can like hunt it down. But in two thousand nine, is it on your the, blog? Uh, no, dear God, no. But two thousand nine, the July August issue of Men's Health. So I used to be the fitness editor over there for a while. Um, they wanted to do a uh, an article on like how to lose the last like ten pounds. And like the intro of it was like the oldest trick in Hollywood is if you want to look twenty pounds more muscular, lose ten pounds of fat. So it was like all about like, let's just like cut, cut me down and like have me track calories, put together workouts, share all of it. So I went and got like all lean, but I got too lean. Like they had me, like I was counting calories, but then you get obsessed with like, I've got a photo shoot and it's like, it's all that dark side. And it's like, mm. I was way too much weight. I don't even think I've ever been like totally one. I got like all the way down to like 161 pounds. Oh, that's which small. Was, yeah. Thanks for the reminder. And I was like, <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, I'm so thin. But what you were shredded. Going? I was really, really lean. But then here's the biggest disappointment out of all of it. So I go through all of this. And then we do like this big photo shoot, which was so weird and awkward because I am the last person who should be modeling for anything. And it was so funny because for years I would lead all of the fitness shoots. It was my job to be like, do this exercise, do this, make your abs pop more. And uh, like all models always looked amazing. And then I had to do it. And I'm like, oh, I feel like this is not fun. I'm going to be really way nicer to these people. And shoots take forever and you're doing exercises. And the, the title of the article was Uncover Your Abs. Right? Very intuitive. And the picture they used had me standing there with my arms folded covering my abs. <laughs> he worked so hard for it. That's the one they selected. <laughs> That's the one that went in the magazine. My upper pack looked amazing. Um, shoulders were definitely lacking because I lost way too much weight. Um, we're just being picky Bummer. here. No, you're, I was, you're gonna it have was to give fun. Us an image. It was great. But then like it was uncover your abs. The whole point was like getting abs. And they covered my abs for the shot that they selected. And I was like, what? Sons of bitches. The, what are you doing? What are you doing? But so I've, you, no, I've survived. So no more leaning out like that for you. Not for me. I mean, I would, if I'm not walking around with a perfect six pack, but I'm lean and I'm happy and I can drink wine and eat cheesecake and have zero remorse about it, that's way better. There's like, everyone's got to find what like truly makes them happy because a lot of people think that like they're unhappy with things and then they, like, they look at themselves and they're like, you know what, if I am fitter, I will be happier. And that is true if like the habits that make you fitter, the sleep, the exercise, the dedication to yourself to realizing that like you're important enough to like invest in yourself. If changing those things because you're treating yourself like shit, then yes, you will be happier. But if you think that it's like just the reflection in the mirror that will make you happier, you're severely misguided. Mm -hmm. And that's the hardest thing because a lot of uh, us look at our bodies and our bodies end up being a reflection of the habits that got us there. And it's not there because at some point I'll tell you, you, things either will change because you are traveling or working or you get an injury or you get sick and you don't want your own happiness and your productivity and who you are as a human to your friends, to your family, to the people you work with to be affected because what you see in the mirror is not necessarily what you want. And it doesn't mean that you don't 
ascribe to have that. It just means that it can't hinge on it. Because if you get sick for two weeks and you suddenly look like shit, you don't want to like feel 10 times worse about yourself. You're like, oh man, why am I not as lean as I was before? That's so broken. You were just sick for two weeks. You should be like, I'm okay. So when people learn to disassociate what they see in the mirror, not from like, I don't care how I look, but I'm not going to allow my happiness to depend on it. Mm. Because at one point also we age as well. And father time is undefeated. And I know I'm going to, I tell my wife all the time, I'm going to be like a Viking when I'm a 70 year old man. I'm going to walk around with like a battle axe and long hair. And I hope I'm like just jacked, but like a little bit like fat jacked. <laughs> uh, like that's what I want. Especially if I have, I've got a boy and I've got another boy in the way, especially if I have like a daughter. I just want like her boyfriends coming over. I'm like the crazy guy watching, walking around with the battle axe. <laughs> that's the way that I envision this. But uh, father time's undefeated. And like, I think about these things that, if ever I realize that my own happiness is becoming too tied to an aesthetic, not a way of living, but an aesthetic, I want to step away from that and make sure that like I'm I'm on the right course. And the analogy I would make that I used to I used to teach courses in another life in at university. So I taught at the University of Colorado, taught at the University of Florida. And when students would complain to me about their grades, I was like, the best thing, the best advice I can tell you is don't focus on the grade. Don't worry about getting an A. Worry about like learning this chapter and this chapter and this chapter and this concept. And if you do all of that and you never think about the grade itself, do you know what's gonna happen? You're gonna end up with an A. Hmm. And like your body is the same way. Don't worry about the six pack. Don't necessarily worry. You can worry about calories if you want, but you don't have to. Mm-hmm. You can worry about the perfect type of exercise, you don't have to. Like focus on the recovery, the sleep, mm-hmm. your health, your habits, how you eat, how you train. Without worrying about it, and if you learn that stuff and get comfortable with it or sustainable, you know what's going to happen? You're going to end up looking better than you ever imagined because you weren't stressing about it. You were just focusing on like on mastery and getting better. And that's like, Mm -hmm. that's the best mastery, whether it's business or relationships. It's Mm -hmm. just like in relationships, if you're trying to figure out like for me early on, I was like, I got to be the best husband ever. This is like, this is so important. A woman decided to marry me. How crazy is that? She wants to spend the rest of the life with me. What is wrong with her? This is amazing. I like totally fooled her. And then I tried to be like the best husband ever. And anytime a problem would come up, I would try and like fix it. And it made me the worst husband ever. Like my first year of marriage was really, really difficult because I was trying so hard to just like be this concept of like what it was to be a perfect husband rather than just like listening and learning and realizing I don't have to be perfect. I just like need to one, learn how to be like a better version of myself. And two, I need to learn my wife even better. So that like sometimes the best thing I can do for her as I learned was, was not fix it, was just listen. So she just wants to fix it on her own. She doesn't need me to go and fix it. And by doing that, it would almost like undermine her. Yeah. And there's such a great lesson in that, like this idea of self-improvement, like we, we can be proud of who we are and what we have done and still desire to be better. Yes, this is this is so why I love you. Thank that you, you yes, <laughs> that, that it's just so true. Is that how can you not hate yourself in order to want to change? And there is a place of I still love who I am, but I expect I hold myself to a high standard. Yes, I love that. You have to sell it, like even the little things. Yeah, like when I have clients who are like struggling and their weight it wasn't moving. I'll be like, you know what? This was a huge week for you. And they're I'm like, what are you talking about? Weight didn't move. I'm like, you went to the gym three times this week. This is the first time you've ever done that. Ever. But the weight didn't move. Who cares? If you do this every single week for the next four weeks, the weight's going it's, it, it's to happen. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. If you do not quit, you cannot lose. Ever. 
ever, ever, ever. And the goals might shift. The focus might be a little bit different. But if you do not quit, you cannot lose because something, something good, something amazing will come from that. And, and it might even change and grow in ways that you never expected. But like, And that's what happens with diet. That's the funny thing. So there's research out there that shows that the average person goes on a diet for about five weeks, just five weeks, and they follow that off of the diet for 18 weeks. Mm-hmm. So you have almost a three and a half to one ratio of off diet to on diet. And this is why people yo-yo forever. Mm-hmm. So when like you're trying to get them to trust them, that's where I always come from. I'm like, listen, you might not see the immediate results that you want. And you might end up being on this thing, like you said, 21, 22 days. And you might like quit. Mm-hmm. You're going to quit prematurely because you know what? You're going to go off it for a while. Then you're going to jump on another one and jump off of again. Or you can just commit to this for like six months right now. And then like you, you're you're done because you're going to have it figured out. You're a lifer. Yeah. yeah you're, <laughs> like it's, even if you're not trying to, you're going to be, you're going to be committed. You're going to be stuck. Mm-hmm. The habit's going to be so deeply ingrained mm-hmm. and you're going to be so much more in control. And I'm like, how much better is that than going on and off diets for the rest of your life, which is what most people do. And then they just feel like utter shit about themselves. They and blame themselves. Yes. They, but we are in an industry that it's like, if you do not get shredded mm-hmm. in four weeks, you're like, my body is broken. You are not the problem the system is. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and the system goes from nutrition to diet books. And guys, I've written nine of them. And the first, a couple of the early ones, I just, I'm, I'm proud of the work I put into it, mm-hmm. but I don't like the messaging. It's just like, it's part of the problem. And everything that I've done on like, uh, since I kind of had these epiphanies was, was trying to change and fight that, I fight against that nutrition programs from coaching to even magazines, which I love. They, they still are sending the wrong messages. Supplements, supplements are like just, Oh, there so many of them are, are can be so great for you. They might be the actually the best supplement in the world, but they have you believing like if I take this today, I should wake up and be amazing tomorrow. And if you don't feel amazing tomorrow, you don't blame the product, you blame yourself. And that is not fair. Not fair at all. And that, that's like the biggest message for me is like if something isn't working, oftentimes it's not you. It's very easy to point the finger at somebody like, oh, you're so lazy or you don't care. Yeah. No, most people really care a lot, actually. There's a lot just, of effort. Yeah, they just have been like given this message that sets them up for failure. It sets mm-hmm. them up for disappointment and frustration. And that's the thing. Like, uh, I don't want people to be frustrated. I really, and you can't prevent it. And that's like my own thing. That goes back into like me as like a husband trying to fix everything. You can't fix everything, but you hope that you can support people in ways that they haven't been supported yeah. before, that they know that they're not alone. It's stuff that, uh, I love that you do. I'm here because I just respect the hell out of you. I appreciate that. And I hope that. you know that. I'm like literally looking at <laughs> Emily right now in the eye, letting her know so that she like legitimately knows how much respect I have for her, which which uh, which means a lot to me and I hope it means a lot to you no, because it does. you build community in a way that's really authentic and you highlight the people that you have helped in a way that it's not self-serving. What I mean by that, the best thing we can do is make the people that we help the voice mm. of our brand or our presence or like the spirit, the soul, the drumbeat. Mm-hmm. Because what happens is, you know, social media is this weird, weird universe. But it can also be really powerful in a great way because you have people who are scrolling through on their phone, having like an awful moment, an awful day, and they come across something from you and it suddenly gives them hope. Or you come across something that like they see someone who reminds them of themselves. And because mm-hmm. you chose to highlight them rather than just being, it's gotta be about me, me, me. Yep. You chose to highlight them and they like, they see that and you're like, oh my God, like that person did it, so can I. There's nothing more powerful. The more that we focus on the people whose lives we change rather than ourselves, because it doesn't have to be self-serving, the more we win. Mm. Man, I feel so honored that you're here. Yes, I'll be back mainly because you brought 
burritos and lured me in with I did. Them. I got him some just be burritos. I did want to um, – I have a couple questions, and then I have to give back this adapter. Ernie's it's been, okay. Right. Ernie's been so nice. Or else the, the computer just doesn't do what it needs to do, which just, is record us. It, I know. The important yeah. piece. Do you have some blog – you have – Hundred. I mean, you write every morning. You have so many blogs. So bornfitness.com. By the way, I love your website. Thank you. No advertisements. Science-based, designed for real life. What are your favorite blog posts that have just really hit home for people? Are there a couple that you really, really love? Oh, man. That's like asking me to like – It's like Sophie's choice. Like choose between your children. (laughs) Which one do you want? Uh, So I love them all. I mean, I I do. So there's two ones that I think that in general are good to read because like one is a little bit longer and one is a little bit shorter. And uh, one would be called like Four Week Fat Loss Lies. So it just kind of like goes into what we were talking about to help people reset and reestablish like what realistic expectations are so that like you can guide yourself and not hate yourself if you're not seeing results as quickly as you want. And I don't remember the name of the exact article, but if you were to type in willpower on uh, my blog, there is a longer post about how these behaviors are so important because your willpower is actually in limited supply. So when a lot of people beat up on Mm -hmm. themselves, you have to realize that willpower comes from a part of your brain that handles all your day-to-day decisions. So everything from like you having to like, when you have to make the choice of like what you're going to wear today, that actually saps you of willpower. Mm. So when you're just like, why can I not go ahead and like go to the gym? You get super freaking frustrated and you end up blaming yourself and it's not necessarily the reason. It's Emily's kind of the, trying to help me find It's the, title the decision of this. fatigue, right? And I have way too many things that clearly link to willpower. It's okay. We'll find we'll it. We'll find it and we'll link but to it. But it is true. Decision it. fatigue. Stop. Keep making your damn life so hard. So hard. So and it's just hard. Like, if you can understand that and you're like, oh, I don't have willpower to like go to the gym. And again, people are like, you're lazy. I'm like, mm-hmm. it actually might be legitimate. Like I am the first one. I cannot train at night. And I love training I more than anyone. But when it comes into the, the day, there is no, there's just no chance. I've done some night workouts before. It's ugly. It's not and good. It's bad. So like, there's no conditioning. It's only bicep it's curls. It's not, which sometimes <laughs> sometimes it's fun. Good for me. I mean, I'm not gonna. Yeah, <laughs> but it is. Uh, it is just. Uh, I, and I know me. I'm sapped. Then other people are different. But yeah, my willpower is drained at that point of day. Yeah, you I smell want, coffee while you're while you're 